right, today we are back in the book of Proverbs, and this time we're going to be considering uh, what this book of wisdom has to teach us on the subject of controlling our thoughts. And uh, this is a topic that is a hard one for a number of reasons, uh, one of which is it's hard to know how much control we really have over our own thoughts. Uh, where do our thoughts come from? That's one of those questions philosophers ask, and it's not an easy question to answer. Uh, am I really responsible as a Christian for every thought that enters my mind? Or is it only if I dwell on sinful thoughts that they become a problem? And I'm just going to say at the outset uh, that I'm not really going to give you a very clear answer to those types of questions because I don't know that the Bible gives us uh, very clear answers to all of them. But for sure, we are to some degree responsible for our thoughts. It's not as though God only cares about our words and our actions and he doesn't mind at all what we think about. Clearly and repeatedly, God tells us in his word that he knows our hearts and he cares about our thoughts. For example, Proverbs 21 verse 2 says, Every way of a man is right in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the heart. Meaning that regardless of what it is you do, God sees even your motives. He weighs what is in the heart of man. God knows our thoughts, and he cares about how we think. Uh, we've pointed out before that even one of the Ten Commandments, you know, you got this list of commands, most of which are instructions like don't uh, bow down to idols, don't kill, don't steal, actions that we're supposed to avoid. But one of them is you shall not covet. And so it's a mistake to assume that God is only concerned with outward holiness or conforming our behavior to a certain set of moral rules. God is also deeply concerned with how we think. In Proverbs chapter 4, Solomon writes to his son these words, My son, be attentive to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not escape from your sight. Keep them within your heart. And so as his son is reading this book of wisdom, Solomon wants him to meditate on these words. Uh, keep these concepts in Proverbs at the forefront of your mind. Don't forget them. Don't neglect them. For, verse 22, they are life to those who will find them and healing to all their flesh. And so Solomon is saying, my son, if you think this way, if you internalize the principles of wisdom in this book that I'm writing to you, then you will find true life. But it starts in the mind. It starts in your thinking. It begins with training yourself to think wisely. And that's one of the main reasons for reading and rereading the book of Proverbs, to train yourself in how to think. Reading a chapter a day, again, I've mentioned this before, you read a chapter a day, you get through the whole book in a month, do that for a couple of years. And this book of wisdom will begin to have its intended effect on your thinking. It will lead you to wisdom. Verse 23, keep your heart with all diligence, for from it flows the springs of life. We're going to be returning to that verse later. But clearly, Proverbs is urging us to be intentional in our thinking, to guard our hearts. Now, we all fail at this at some times. Let's just start with that uh, confession. As we work our way through this sermon, you're probably going to realize you fail more than you realize when it comes to your thinking. For example, Proverbs 20 verse 9 says, Who can say, I have made my heart pure, I am clean from my sin. The implied answer being, well, no one can say that. We all have sinned in many ways, and one of these ways is in our thoughts. No one can say that they at all times have thoughts that are perfectly pleasing to the Lord. 
But that doesn't mean that we should just be flippant and not care about this area of our lives. Now, where exactly the line of responsibility is, I don't know. I don't know if it's your, fa- your fault uh, if you have a sinful thought initially, but I do know that we all bear some degree of responsibility to guard our hearts and control our thinking. And so with that as an introduction then, we're going to look now at several uh, Proverbs that address various aspects of our thinking that should be controlled. And rather than make an exhaustive list, because there's really an infinite number of things we could talk about, I want to just give you a feel for how the book of Proverbs instructs the wise person to think, uh, and maybe get a better idea of what it looks like to control your thinking uh, as we work through these texts. And so we are going to look at a few different categories of thinking, but the categories aren't really uh, the point. More so, I want us to learn how Proverbs leads us to think and what patterns of thinking are to be avoided or uh, cultivated. So to begin, Proverbs 12, verse 5, says that the thoughts of the righteous are just, the counsels of the wicked are deceitful. The idea here is of purposes or plans. Uh, The righteous person purposes justly, honestly. The wicked person, you could say, schemes. Uh, This idea is picked up again in verse 20 of the same chapter where it says, Deceit is in the heart of those who devise evil, but those who plan peace have joy. So putting these together then, the idea seems to be we should resist a scheming mindset, uh, looking for a dishonest path, a clever way to achieve something that would be deceitful. Proverbs tells us not to even entertain such thoughts, to fight against uh, plotting tendencies that you may have. Proverbs 13, verse 2, from the fruit of his mouth, a man eats what is good, but the desire of the treacherous is for violence. That last phrase there in verse 2 is helpfully translated in the NLT as treacherous people have an appetite for violence. Part of controlling your thinking is directing your appetites. In this case, we're being instructed not to harbor desires for hatred, desires for evil towards someone else. Now, don't entertain thoughts of vengeance, of hurting someone that you despise. Proverbs 24, verse 17 says, Do not rejoice when your enemy falls, and let not your heart be glad when he stumbles, lest the Lord see it and be displeased and turn away his anger from him. And perhaps this, this one is... Uh, more relatable to most of us. I think we probably do this a lot. Uh, We think that it's okay because after all, we're not uh, actually doing anything to the person that we dislike. We're just thinking in our own minds. And yet this proverb says that even those types of thoughts, those unkind thoughts we have towards others are still displeasing to the Lord. Another category of sinful thought that we've looked at in the past is envy. Uh, Proverbs 23, verse 17 and following says, Let not your heart envy sinners, but continue in the fear of the Lord all the day. So we're being told here not to envy, uh, but then look at what the passage goes on to say. Verse 18, Surely there is a future, and your hope will not be cut off. Hear, my son, and be wise, and direct your heart in the way. Notice that last phrase, direct your heart. Uh, We, as wise followers of God, are to direct our hearts in the way it should go. In other words, we are responsible to some extent for the thoughts that we have, certainly for the thoughts that we dwell on. We should be like a driver, steering our thoughts intentionally rather than letting them run wild. 
Here we're being told to actively direct our hearts away from envying others. When you start to recognize uh, that you're doing this, in other words, you're supposed to turn your thinking away from that. Uh, Proverbs 14, verse 30. A tranquil heart gives life to the flesh, but envy makes the bones rot. Now, we've talked before about how envy doesn't hurt anyone but yourself. It festers inside you, it grows, and it can ultimately destroy you. This is one of the reasons, I think, that God cares so much about our thoughts, because ultimately, sinful thoughts are also unhealthy thoughts. Uh, They're thoughts that are damaging to us. Another category of thinking in which we are to control our, our thoughts and our, the way that we think is in the, the area of pride. Proverbs 16, verse 5 says, Everyone who is arrogant in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Be assured he will not go unpunished. Uh, notice that in this verse, the sin of arrogance is said to take place within the heart. We're not just told to not act arrogantly. Not to speak arrogantly, we're told arrogance even in our hearts is something that God hates. And so the question is, what does it look like to humble myself? Not just outwardly in my actions and in the way that I interact with people, but really in my own mind uh, to resist the sin of pride. To stop thinking of myself as more important than others. Uh, Part of how we do that is having a mind eager to learn, remaining teachable, something that's come up several times uh, in the book of Proverbs already. Proverbs 22, verse 17 says, Incline your ear and hear the words of the wise and apply your heart to my knowledge. Notice there again, these are internal actions of the mind. We're being told to adopt a certain mindset of teachability, a desire to learn. I recognize that I need instruction, the wisdom that others have, and so I'm going to apply my heart to knowledge. I'm going to incline my ear to wisdom. All of that is an internal choice we make in our thinking. And the opposite mindset is Proverbs 1, verse 22, which says, How long, O simple ones, will you love being simple? How long will scoffers delight in their scoffing, and fools hate knowledge? The attitude of the scoffer is to reject any correction or instruction that others offer. It's a form of arrogance. It assumes I have nothing to learn from you, and so I'm not really even going to listen and consider what it is that you're saying. And if if anyone tries to correct me, if anyone tries to change my mind about something that I think, I'm going to either get defensive or dismissive of what they're saying. That's the attitude of the scoffer. And so part of controlling our thinking is fighting against these tendencies that we may have, adopting a posture of humility, seeking knowledge from people wiser than us. All of this starts with a proper mindset, fighting against the scoffing attitude, adopting a posture of teachability. Another area that Proverbs frequently comments on, and we won't look at all of these passages, but there are certainly many, Uh, This is the area of lust, another area that we are advised by the wise uh, author of Proverbs to control our thinking. Proverbs 6, verse 20 and following, is an extended section on this topic, but I want to highlight just one verse in particular. Solomon says, My son, keep your father's commandment and forsake not your mother's teaching. Bind them on your heart always, tie them around your neck. When you walk, they will lead you. When you lie down, they will watch over you. When you awake, they will talk with you. 
For the commandment is a lamp, and the teaching a light, and the reproofs of discipline are the way of life, to preserve you from the evil woman, from the smooth tongue of the adulteress. Do not desire her beauty in your heart. Do not let her capture you with her eyelashes. For the price of a prostitute is only a loaf of bread, but a married woman hunts down a precious life. Here we are instructed to resist the temptation of sexual sin, any sort of sexual activity outside of the covenant of marriage. Uh, Marriage is always portrayed in Proverbs as a precious relationship, and sexuality is to be reserved for marriage, including in our thoughts. Notice there in verse 25, Solomon says, not to even desire someone you aren't married to. Don't desire her beauty in your heart. Don't let her capture your imagination. We are to resist those thoughts. Now, it's ironic, isn't it? Uh, Solomon, of all people, is writing this. Solomon, whose own failures in this area are infamous. And it seems to me, as you read through the book of Proverbs, the fact that this subject comes up so frequently is a testament to the, uh, the fact that Solomon was filled with regret about his own failures in this area. And so he's begging his son, don't follow in my footsteps. Learn from my mistakes rather than repeating them. He tells his son that the place to fight against the sin of sexual unfaithfulness is in the mind. Let's look at one more proverb that will be instructive to us in controlling our thoughts. This is uh, kind of a random one, but I wanted to throw it in here. Proverbs 19, verse 3. When a man's folly brings his way to ruin, his heart rages against the Lord. Here we are being told to have an honest, objective view of ourselves. Often, we blame God for our own dumb choices. We reject the wisdom of Proverbs, we choose our own path in life, and then we get mad at God when it all falls apart. This proverb is telling us to evaluate ourselves honestly. This is part of uh, fighting against pride, looking at your own life objectively, and seeing your failures for what they are. Part of controlling our thoughts is judging ourselves. As Jesus said, rather than looking for the speck in someone else's eye, examining your own life for sin. Now, why does it matter how we think? Why is God so concerned with this area? You might think it's it's kind of irrelevant. As long as we're not doing anything, we're not acting on these uh, sinful thoughts that we may have. Why does it matter if we're thinking it? There's an interesting statement in Proverbs 27 that I think begins to answer this question. Proverbs 27, verse 19 says, As in water, face reflects face, so the heart of man reflects the man. Our thinking is a reflection of who we are. God understands that as we think, so we are. Outward conformity might make us behave more civilly uh, towards one another, but if you really want to change a person, you have to change their thinking. And so God instructs us to be intentional in how we think. Our hearts, our will, our choices, our loves, our attitudes, these are the things that define uh, who we are. And so true transformation has to take place at the heart level. As Ecclesiastes 10 verse 2 says, A wise man's heart inclines him to the right, but a fool's heart to the left. The idea being that our hearts Uh, end up directing our lives. This is another area, another reason that God cares about this area of our thinking. Because the things that are in our hearts don't stay there. Our thinking drives our behavior. 
Wisdom in the heart leads to wise choices being made. Sin in the heart leads to sinful actions. Unkind thoughts lead to unkind words. And so if our thinking directs our behavior, the question is, what's directing our thinking? And for many of us, the answer is nothing. We think things and we don't ever really try to actively, intentionally control our thoughts. Proverbs 11 verse 20, those of crooked heart are an abomination to the Lord, but those of blameless ways are his delight. Notice the connection here and the interplay of the two parallels between thinking and behavior. Those of crooked heart are contrasted to those of blameless ways, meaning there's no such category as a person who is crooked in heart, but blameless in behavior, because what is in our hearts will eventually work its way out into our words and into our actions. Thoughts lead to actions. Sinful thoughts lead to sinful actions. No one steals without first coveting. Murder is preceded by hatred. Adultery is preceded by lust. The sin always starts in the mind, and then it works out into our life. And so we should learn, as Proverbs is instructing us, to fight the sin when it's small, when it's still within our minds. Resist it there. Don't dwell on these sinful thoughts and let them carry out into actions. Jesus said uh, very similarly along these same lines, famously in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5.21, he says, You've heard that it was said of those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. Whoever says, you fool, will be liable to the hell of fire. Again in verse 27, You've heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Then verse 43, You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Jesus in these verses is calling us to an extreme control of our thoughts. It's one thing to begrudgingly be civil to someone that you dislike. It's another thing to actually love them, to pray for them. That means not just in my actions, but really in my own heart, I am to resist hatred and pursue love for even my enemies. Our thinking directs our behavior, and so we are called to control our thinking. Now, when we talk about the heart, this just comes up a lot in Proverbs, as we've seen. Uh, We're not talking about the blood-pumping organ in your chest, right? In English, uh, we use the word heart in two different ways. Uh, One refers to the physical organ. The other, in English, is used to uh, talk about the center of one's emotion. You might say something like, I love you with all my heart. I left my heart in San Francisco, whatever. Uh, Obviously, those kinds of uses, we're not talking about the organ in our chest that pumps blood. We understand it's a metaphor for the source of our feelings, our emotions. And that's not quite the same as the Hebrew concept of the heart. In the Old Testament, the heart was not thought of as simply a place of emotions or feelings, nor was it necessarily the place of the intellect, uh, what we would call maybe the brain or the mind. Rather, the heart was the center of a person. It was the place of your core beliefs, your foundational principles. Your spirit was more so understood to be uh, your kind of the emotional part of you, which is why Proverbs often talks about controlling or ruling over your spirit. That would be controlling your emotions. The heart is something deeper. 
It was the core of a person. Uh, The heart is one's innermost being, one's character or core personality. The heart in, in the Hebrew mindset is the seat of your deepest commitments, trusts, and loves. And so we're told in Proverbs 4.23, back to that verse we started with earlier, keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. Our hearts direct our lives. And so we are told that we are to prioritize guarding our hearts. We always do the thing that we most want to do in any given moment. Now, this was Jonathan Edwards' point when he wrote about the will of man. He basically argued that we don't have a will that can be forced to do other than what we really want to do. Rather, our actions flow out of our heart. Our strongest desires and our core beliefs end up dictating our choices. And so, when our heart is properly oriented, when we have the right priorities, proper actions will then flow out from that heart. And at the very least, I hope that this sermon will help all of us to be more aware of our thoughts, to begin to control the thoughts we entertain and those that we quickly dismiss as displeasing to the Lord. I want to close with two quick instructions for how to begin to direct your hearts in the way that they should go. Uh, Again, we've talked kind of abstractly here about various areas of our life in which we may fall, uh, but what does it actually mean practically to control your thinking? How can we do this? First of all, Meditate on Scripture. Nothing will help you to grow as a person, especially in your thinking, than meditation on God's Word. Proverbs 16, verse 20 says, Whoever gives thought to the Word will discover good, and blessed is he who trusts in the Lord. We are told here to saturate our minds in Scripture, to give thought to the Word. Read the Bible. Listen to the Bible. Uh, Listen to good podcasts or preaching on the Bible. Give constant thought to the Word of God. Keep Scripture on your mind and you'll be on the right path toward proper thinking. And in particular, meditate on the book of Proverbs as chapter 4 instructs us in uh, verse 20. My son, be attentive to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not escape from your sight. Keep them within your heart. One of the best ways to direct our minds in good uh, ways is to meditate on Scripture, to keep the Word of God within our hearts, not letting them escape from our sight. As we said at the beginning of this study, one of the main goals of Proverbs is to begin to change and reorient the way that we think. Proverbs doesn't just tell us what the wise choice is in every situation. It helps us rather to become the kinds of people who make wise decisions. And that transformation of the mind takes place over time as we internalize the wisdom that is offered to us in these pages. Uh, Lastly, once again, we return to this core concept of the fear of the Lord. One of the most important teachings uh, in the book of Proverbs, Proverbs 1 verse 7 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Proper thinking begins with a recognition and a constant awareness of the presence of God, a desire to live every moment of my life in a way that would be pleasing to him. This is the path to controlling your thinking, to prioritize the Lord, recognizing that even how we think is seen by God and is either pleasing or displeasing to him. Proverbs 23, verse 17, one last verse, says, Let not your heart envy sinners, but continue 
in the fear of the Lord all the day. The way to control our hearts and direct them away from sinful habits is to continue in the fear of the Lord all the day. The fear of the Lord, caring most what God thinks, that is the proper mindset that will then guide us through life. Let's pray together.